Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Chris Duffy, one of the world's leading voices for designing digital experiences with emerging technology. And amongst all things, Chris spearheads Adobe's Creative Cloud Strategy Development Partnerships across the creative and design enterprise space. And he's also a fellow Hogan Page author, having recently released a new book called Decoding the Metaverse. Welcome to the show, Chris. Many Great contracts. to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. It's been, when was the book released? It was fairly recent, right? I believe in mm-hmm. March, February, March of wow. this year. Seems so long ago. So <laughs> I always look forward to these conversations. They're somewhat therapeutic talking with a fellow author in, in terms of how much goes into it and your blood, sweat, and tears and thoughts. And so uh, very much uh, give give you uh, respect for your writings as well. Yes. Uh, oh, my God. Blood, sweat, and tears. Um, that is an understatement. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it has a lot more going into the book, I think, than people would appreciate. So for those of you who are listening, and please do go get a copy and please read it cover, cover to cover because... It is a lot of work. Um, but before we get to your new book, let's take a minute and talk about what is it that you do in Adobe? Because when we last met, it was quite a few years ago, you were already at Adobe um, doing a lot of cool things. I actually love your work. It's more fun than mine. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of being on a panel with you, I believe, mm-hmm. at the time we were calling it the, the glass tank, where yes. literally we had a, a, a glass uh, square and we had a discussion on trying to predict the the future uh, with an AI-infused world. And it's pretty exciting. I think many of those themes, topics we talked about five or six years ago are are not only coming to fruition, but have uh, uh, advanced uh, greatly since then. So it's been a quite exciting journey uh, to see how AI is amplifying not only creativity, but also the business world, society, and so on. So it's uh, it's been a, a journey, an exciting roller coaster ride over these last few years. Never a dull moment. Yeah, is what I would use to well, describe well that. Well right. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of AI, a couple years ago, pre-COVID, I think, can't remember now. All the years are blurred into one. You published a book called Superhuman Innovation. It was the world's first book that you say was co-authored by AI and is about AI. How did that idea came about? And curious to hear, did anything surprise you when you were writing the book? Hindsight. So many things uh, from a personal perspective, writing perspective, business perspective, and technology. My my background is I spent about 25 years as a creator uh, on the digital side. The last 15 years or so, I was focused on this uh, sector called digital health, where I helped create uh, experiences for physicians, patients, and caregivers. Uh, Towards the end of that 15 years or so, that's when IBM Watson was really getting into the the healthcare realm. And we had this hypothesis that orphan disease states were possibly getting misdiagnosed or missed because uh, by nature, they don't pop up that often. And so we helped build a, a EHR system, electronic medical record system with AI to help predict um, some of those symptoms. And in, in that case, orphan disease, 
diseases. And that was really one of my big aha moments and had a, a second one that we'll, I'm sure, touch on later. But that was my big aha moment for the power of artificial intelligence in the realm of marketing, healthcare, and uh, product design. And so fast forward a few years, uh, there were some great technical advancements, the, the CANs and the GANs most notably. And so started uh, really wanting to explore what would be the intersection of AI and uh, creativity. It was quite a provocative notion. And I think we talked about that at length six years or so. And it reminded me many of many aspects of maybe the early to mid nineties when it was a similar conversation around what is the role of software and creativity? Is that taking away from the craft of uh, creativity? And as we've seen over the last number of years, obviously that's not the case. It, it really amplifies creativity. And much like that, AI is amplifying uh, creativity, marketing, experience design, and, and products. And so wanted to go deep and make a almost a offering to the industry to help uh, define its role in uh, the, the creative realm. So I started off writing uh, the book and what I s soon found out just from a writing process, it is a brutally tough process. I, I, you know, over the years thought I was very comfortable staring at that blank page, but nothing prepared me for that first email from the publisher saying your first chapter is due in a couple of weeks. And so that that really kind of got the the energy level going. My wife still reminds me that our house at the time was never uh, cleaner because I would just try to get nervous energy by cleaning or vacuuming the house. So ultimately, I started. I had this realization, and I, I quite honestly, I didn't have this aha moment until uh, uh, this point. That not only did I want to talk about AI or write about AI but actually use AI across every process of, of uh, writing a book, everything from uh, the, the manuscript to the marketing and so on. And so literally, I think uh, I still have a spreadsheet somewhere. I made a point to infuse AI into every step uh, of the process. And it was still, uh, I call it early days. That was only six, five, six years ago. But that's when these... Uh, uh, language models at the time, kind of language transformers were, were really popping up. I'd go to these uh, con conferences, quite small actually at the time in New York City and meet a few uh, engineers. They would very happily share some APIs. And so that was really instrumental in showcasing the power that AI is was going to have on creativity. I, uh, one of my favorites were was uh, used an API, and they were all individual at the time um, about semantic understanding, and so it would do an analysis of each chapter, and I, so I put it into the system, and it would give me some insights on you know this is too shrewd, too humorous, not fat, not enough facts, and I think we somewhat take take those aspects now for granted in some of the the more powerful uh writing assistant uh tools but that that was quite profound for me at the time to see how truly ai was um 
going to be a co-pilot uh, with creativity in that case, writing. And so really went uh, kind of uh, went all in on it. And the the book is actually written in manuscript form, almost talking to an Alexa-like agent back and forth. Uh, I called it, uh, I gave the name Amy for AI plus me. Uh, and so I would have a question or a prompt and then Amy would have a response. And so went went back and forth throughout the core concepts of artificial intelligence through the book using that, that metaphor or model. I was wondering what Amy was because I spotted it um, in one of your articles a while back and I'm like, Oh, interesting. And, and that stuck with me. I meant to ask you that. So thank you. It was AI plus me. Now I know. Um, and I wish when I was writing, that um, I would use cleaning and decluttering as a uh, stress relief. I did not. I ended up bench snacking. Yeah. <laughs> it was not ideal. Um, hindsight, now I need to actually work and run again to, to, to yeah. run it off. Because mine was ice cream and chocolate, ice cream and chocolate. It was... Just to keep you going, I I completely uh, relate. I think I gained probably 10, 15 pounds uh, mm-hmm. throughout the writing process. But I think this underscores, you know, the, the, one of the core promises of AI that we're seeing coming to life now, that it's going to have a, a greater an impact on greater efficiency, take a lot of that grunt work out of the way. And uh, I, I think that's uh, a very valuable, honest output of AI in its current state. I'm interested. I, I should I should take a peek and see what I can use it for. Um, but let's let's keep going because compared to AI, right? AI is gosh, it's in the news every day. You you cannot get through any news or magazine for that matter without running into the word AI. Now comparatively speaking, metaverse and web three, they were getting a lot of airtime and now less so. Um, but that is the subject of your latest book, Decoding the Metaverse. So I'm curious to know, is it because we are too early in the game and the building blocks are not there yet? Or did we just get bored of it last year and now we move on to something else? Why do you think that is? I completely agree. I think history provides a lot of answers. And in this case, uh, artificial intelligence, There, there was, you know, as you so well know, many burst bus cycles, winters and summers. And I think when the, the book came out, it was during a uh, bus cycle. Uh, and, you know, I, I still remember uh, a few events uh, on, on the, the book tour where it was literally straight faces throughout the presentation that very quickly turned to anger. Uh, and that anger was centered around what is the role of AI in terms of work, society, and its impact ultimately on job creation. And I think we've answered and uh, talked a, a lot about those, both uh, you know in the professional industries as well as the, the media, that all of those, I think we're, we're starting to realize the, the, the great impact, positive impact that AI is having on each of those attributes. So I think there, there's a similar pattern that's happening with the, the metaverse. Um, back to your earlier point question, 
my my day job, and I feel very privileged um, at Adobe that I get to speak with fascinating folks like yourself all day, every day, and I get to start to see patterns emerge in these conversations uh, quite often, possibly before a lot of people. And about four years ago, this this idea of the metaverse started popping up in a lot of conversations. And so maybe to time travel a little bit, back in 2014, after that IBM uh, engagement, uh, a friend over at Google was working on what is now known as, uh, or then known as Google Glass. And they were looking for a healthcare use case to leverage Google Glass. And at the time we were working on a breakthrough oncology drug that had a really unique MOA, mechanism of action. And we were looking for a way to showcase that uniqueness, innovativeness in an equally compelling way. And that's where we created an experience uh, on Google Glass. And in in terms of that process, I would I would wear them quite often. I was living in New York at the time on the city bike, going down to work on the West Side Highway. And I would get a couple, you know, comments. We know that what those comments were, but I I would thoroughly enjoy how it would tell me when and where to turn, um, shortcuts and and so on. And so I I think that was my second aha moment on yes, AI is going to be profound for businesses and society and industries, but equally this notion of fusing the digital world with the physical world is going to be quite powerful. And in many ways, AI, it felt over the last number of years that it was a wonderful technology, but it didn't have a higher vision or mission or use case. And that's why I'm so excited about A, the metaverse, Web3, but also how AI is going to amplify uh, each of those technologies. And so I think the, the culmination is going to be more predictive, more permission-based uh, experiences for humanity going forward. Permission-based. That's yes. the thing you had mentioned before, and it's something you mentioned in the book as well. I would need to make sure I keep note yes. of that because um, you're an evangelist in in this particular space. I admire you for it. Um, I, I do want to know in, in the book, um, you also wrote, we are on the verge of the most significant expansion of society and business potential, which is what you just alluded to. Now, business growth in this new paradigm of, of metaverse and Web3, a new way of doing things, um, you had rightfully mentioned is not just about monetizing customers' time and attention, which is what we're doing in Web2 right now, but it's more so rewarding them being there and rewarding them for paying attention. Curious to know, we do talk a lot about, for example, gaming, right, in this particular instance, but what are some of the use cases or industries that you think will have the most potential and that will get you the most excited? Because people do talk about, like, banking in the metaverse. I'm not quite sure if I want to, yeah. you know, be like going into a metaverse branch, I can't quite imagine putting my arms around it. But but what do you think will be useful um, to to our society um, 
as the technology will stand. It's such, it's such a great point. One one of the to your earlier uh, thought, one of the realizations of writing the second book was there's a bit of a paradox or an irony with all of these transformational technologies, whether it be AI, metaverse, or Web three. They're very much even even Web one and Web two are very much guided on this mission of uh, inclusivity, right? The making humanity, society uh, have greater access to information, experiences, creating greater connections. But the, the irony or paradox, unintended con- consequence of these very complex technologies is that it's becoming very exclusive because you have to A, understand it, B, have the knowledge how to apply it, and then see in in many cases if you're an early adapter have a very uh experimental mindset and take some risk uh, to to leverage these things so i th- i think that's a underlying theme throughout all of these technologies is we we have to and and that's really one of my personal missions to your point about being an evangelist yes i'm excited about these technologies but i'm also trying to uh, you know, dare I say, democratize uh, the adoption of these te- technologies. That that is the big word um, for the for the year in many aspects. Democratize, and and you're absolutely right. Right. Um, recently, I was talking to someone about. Uh, digital payments adoption and you know people using using um, technology in the future cashless world and and my comment was I mean look I I love tech um, I go in day in day out with Apple Pay and and all of that if I don't have to use cash I would love not to but it's not inclusive in the sense that not everyone have access to a smartphone even though many do but not everyone does and it costs money data plan wise something that we might not all appreciate and there are certain things to to physical cash that awards you with being anonymous awards you with being able to use it anytime even when the network is down there are like things that we still need to think about um, as it comes to future tech yes. and as well as when it comes to social social platforms um, which you know immediately I think about my kids I think about you know they are on discord they are on all of these things how do we make sure that we're keeping them safe and how do we take a step back make sure that from a regulation perspective and privacy perspective we're doing the right things before i let you go i do want to ask though how do we even do that when things are so early it's like back in the 80s when you were going to ask the regulators how would we go about regulating the internet before the internet is how it is right now yeah i think it's you know quite often we think of these giant steps uh, in terms of transformation, but the, the, the reality is it's um, very incremental uh, advancement. Uh, I, I refer a lot to, you know, a lot of times in the early days of AI, meaning, you know, six, 10 years ago, uh, it would either default to one of two conversations, a very utopian future with AI or a dystopian future. And then reality is it's probably more protopian, meaning incremental change 
uh, advancement. So little by little, essentially. Yes, there's some leapfrogs in terms of advancements, most most recently in the, the AI realm, large language models, and so on. And I, I think we're going to see a, a similar pattern with, with the metaverse and Web3 uh, currently. Right now, you know, last year, uh, 24 months ago, you couldn't have a conversation uh, without metaverse or Web3 com coming up. And I, I think, um, you know, right now it's a, on a little bit of a down cycle, but there again, similar to AI, we're going to have these burst and and bust cycles. Uh, when maybe I'll pause there and just emphasize: after going deep three years into the research in in and on the metaverse and Web three, I I can confidently say I'm 100% confident the metaverse is inevitable. Uh, what I'm not confident and can't commit to is will the name the metaverse stick but the core principles of the metaverse are inevitable right a more immersive 3d world we're already seeing that uh, to your point in gaming real time we're seeing that in software uh, we're seeing that in entertainment uh, the value of that ownership has a bit of an overlap uh, with web3 in your world of finance but uh, quite often we talk about um, you know, the creator, the creator economy, that's what it's really talking about, this ability of co-ownership. Interoperability is uh, quite an exciting, fascinating, technically complex uh, aspects or principle of, of the metaverse. It's probably the top challenge, a lot of the metaverse standards um, uh, coalitions are trying to solve for. Uh, shared experiences, shared economy, and persistent. So when you kind of lay out just the core principles of the metaverse, and I'm not overly academic to say you need all of those for something to be the metaverse, which is quite often a, a question, what is and what is not the metaverse? I, I, I tend to just share these are some core principles uh, of the metaverse. And maybe to bring it back to your point, how do we advance uh, and, and my learning over these two technologies, two, two books has been with the uh, AI, it took a very, almost a hard stance on how to adopt it for organizations. With the metaverse, I'm taking a slightly evolved, I would say evolved uh, uh, notion on adoption of the metaverse. I, I, I would just offer adopt one or a few of these core principles into current projects or experiences and start to see and experiment with the, the value creation persistence per se uh, offers or what is infusing a more 3D uh, ability into a marketing uh, experience or a product look like and, and start to measure that utility coming out of those uh, core principles. Here you go, the keyword experiment, try, yeah. um, try, definitely. So before we let you go, what are the top three takeaways if anyone were to come pick up your book and what's next for you? A third oh, yeah. book? 
<laughs> That's great. Uh, maybe I'll a answer the, the 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 latter first, which is a little easier. I think I'm going to put a little pause and enjoy life uh, uh, a little bit uh, after writing the the second one. As you so well know, it, it does uh, take a lot, and I would offer you know to your listeners, you know, your book Beyond Good is exceptional and uh, not only read it for great value, but I, I think we as a society have to celebrate achievements uh, as, as well. So maybe uh, core takeaways of the, of the metaverse. Um, you know, I, I think just trying to, in the spirit of decoding, we just offer up, there is a delineation between Web3 and the metaverse, uh, yet they are complementary and equally of importance for a more immersive experience uh, going forward. Maybe that'll be our next discussion. We'll we'll go deep on uh, decentralization, blockchain, DeFi, smart contracts, DAOs, and NFTs, and on. So I, I would say yes, there's a delineation, but they're 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 they greatly complement each other. Maybe the second takeaway is uh, to your point uh, to underscore the need for bravery and experimentation. Um, and, and then the third is, I would just offer, if you are a builder, a creator, really keep in mind the ethics and of what you do. And uh, the, the term that's really coming out now in the AI world is this notion of red teaming, right? Try to predict unintended consequences of your, your output. So I, I would, Maybe end on those three suggestions. I like that. Bravery, experimentation, um, understanding delineation, and as well as how Web3 and Metaverse complements, and most important of all, ethics. I think ethics needs to be everyone's job. It's not just the chief ethics officer, if those roles do exist, but it's all of us, all of us who are in the tech circle, all of us who are involved with delivering technology and services to people, we all need to bear that in mind. So thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. Um, where does one find your book? Oh, thank you. It should, it should be all over Amazon. I'm sure it's an easy access point. And uh, I've got a website, chrisduffy.ai, that I try to keep up with uh, in terms of the, the content as well. Yes, and tons of articles too. I would actually encourage everyone to go take a look, chrisduffy.ai, and look for Chris's book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and the closest bookstore near you. Thank you, Chris, again. And for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week. <laughs>